ಭಗವತೋ ಅರಹತೋ ಸಮ್ಮ ಸಂಭುತ ನಮೋ ತಸ ಭಗವತೋ ಅರಹತೋ ಸಮ್ಮ ಸಂಭುತ ನಮೋ ತಸ ಭಗವತೋ ಅರಹತೋ ಸಮ್ಮ ಸಂಭುತ ಭಗವತ್ತೋಹತೋಸಿ and uh i had to, to to disappoint most people with the, with the answer saying well none of that really as far as i i'm aware of i i did mostly enjoy the 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 solitary practice being out in the in the forest in shithurst was i felt very enjoyable felt very good felt very appropriate at this time to have a break from my usual routines and hopefully a few some habits um but if i have had any insights so i've any seen anything new it's nothing that comes actually to mind right now if i you know there's nothing that i can remember and in in any case none of it would have been particularly dramatic so you know didn't feel didn't feel wasn't aware of any deep shifts or you know, what be associated with breakthrough experience and uh, as i only realized really when once i came out of of that retreat and starting um to co- comment about it to people and at chitterst uh, down in, in sussex um and people who asked me about it to realize, i i was just commenting well, what what were what uh, did i have to do and i i was uh, communicating my gratefulness that there wasn't really anything expected from me the the um, community down in in chitterst is very um generous in that sense and and supportive that i didn't have to do anything didn't have any any uh, obligations the only thing i i came into the monastery uh, once a day to get my uh, food and then sometimes around the meal time maybe before afterwards i might have a little conversation a chat with with one or the other monks i i might have met at the monastery and then i would go back and then i realized when i when i mentioned that that during those eight months yes i had all those friendly conversations uh but as far as i can remember remember those eight months there wasn't anything uh unkind or difficult that anybody said to me for eight months so how about how what an amazing amazing opportunity so all the negativity that i might have experienced this i very obviously had to take responsibility for myself it would only be inside or self generated and still having been uh left to myself and by and large really uh, enjoying it uh, feeling good about it feeling feeling um, good uh, inside myself um i didn't experience any mm, particular kind of um collectedness or coming together of you know deeper concentration um as my mind tends to be fairly resistant towards samadhi in, in in general but i certainly do i do remember i can remember uh numerous experiences before in um much much less supportive in say situation or environments where where you know 
um, I would experience some more, um, how do you say, unification of, of the body of, and the mind and the uh, beauty of, of some deeper collectedness. Then I experienced ever, uh, as far as I remember, during these eight months of, of retreat. So that might sound uh, first a bit disappointing, <laughs> depending what kind of expectation you had. Uh, and therefore, it uh, triggered um, for one of you the, the, the question or the, the request actually to this evening to speak about how to stay motivated in the practice when there apparently is no progress. And I think it's a very good question and very appropriate because I didn't, certainly didn't feel there was anything going wrong or if I did any time I didn't make much out of it, uh, fortunately. And part of it, in my belief, is the thing that's, it's that as practice matures, um, there needs to be a certain shift in our orientation, in the orientation of our motivation, our inspiration. Because I think necessarily where we're all coming from, originally our motivation, our inspiration is very much uh, ego-based, based on our conditioned personality, mm. uh, we might, based on views, ideas that we have about ourselves and of ourselves as spiritual practitioners and uh, perhaps imagining ourselves as up upgraded versions of ourselves, uh, spiritually upgraded versions of ourselves in some imagine future, uh, and then we measure the progress or idea of progress against the experiences that we might have or the way we experience the, 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 the image that, we, that our experience allows us to maintain of ourselves um, against that ideal that we might have of you know, ourselves as a spiritual developed person or even a realized person that might be. And that has its, its obvious limitations because um, the Buddha first took as its, its, its um, baselines of, of, of the teaching and motivation uh, dukkha, you know, one of the, the translations, suffering or stress. And this idea of, of self, the self-image, the sense of self, the whole complex dynamic structure that underlies that, that um, sense of self has a very prominent central um, part, uh, central stage, uh, as uh, a cause of that suffering. And that includes all our motivations, our ideas about spiritual progress that are informed by the particular way our self, our self-structure, uh, our self-image has been constructed by our past, you know, whether it's social, educational, biological, conditioning, whatever, or, you know, the multitude of factors that, that uh, bear onto the particular type, you know, unique you know, of personality that we have. And I think part of the, the practice and the shift, or the, the important the shift of the practice is that that has more and more become, uh, more and more be questioned and examined as a cause of our suffering. So that uh, our motivation becomes more and more immediate because it has to refer to that part in our experience which can become aware of uh, our self-structure, um, the underlying motivations, attitudes, and how those uh, influence our present experience in a way that, that, that uh, 
causes us to suffer, causes us to experience suffering. And that's, of course, this uh, experiences capacity of awareness that all experience ultimately uh, points towards. You know, if without being aware, without being conscious, without being present, we couldn't have any experience to, to examine. Uh, so I remember when I first came to Buddhism, about some 20 years ago, my first uh, conscious and, and, and searching kind of encounter with Buddhism was through, through Zen, a book about Zen, actually. And uh, that was uh, in, in Rio de Janeiro. I had been uh, traveling a long way in search for the true meaning of life or my, my true place uh, in life or on this planet. Or if you look at it in a, in a different way, maybe being running away from my suffering or from my disease, but not, being, not really knowing what I was doing. I was on, on some kind of search which, which increasingly had become consciously spiritual. I was examining spiritual traditions. But I hadn't yet, wasn't yet very much informed by, by, by an underlying kind of wisdom or knowledge about what, what this was about or what would necessarily be implied. I know that I was uh, becoming more, more interested in, in practical applications. I had studied, tried to study philosophy and I got quite some headache from that. Then I studied more religious teachings and traditions, but it was still just concepts and different beliefs and, and things that you could pick up. And I was interested in something more practical. I tried meditation, I remember, at some point uh, in an earlier stage of that search when I was still in Spain. I, I stared at a leaf on some mountainside for a long time, but nothing happened. So uh, I gave up on that one. I thought I probably haven't, hadn't got the right instructions yet. And so I kept looking. And so finally there in Rio de Janeiro, I was waiting for a phone call for a job in a, in a friend's or acquaintance's house and as I was looking around I was seeing this, this book in the, in the bookshelf and it was about Buddhism and as I started reading that it was quite a revelation for me that this was the first time it seemed that somebody uh, was speaking from an understanding of, of life that I was felt really congenial with the way I, I felt I felt certain confirmation there also in, in putting interesting my experience of suffering in life and disorientation into, into a wholesome perspective and, and say this, this can actually be uh, a positive thing. It wasn't just an indication that I'm some neurotic misfit, which I probably was in some way too, but there was also a different aspect of it, you know, something that would validate that. And it's precisely, I think, that wasn't the way, as far as I remember, how it was spelled out in the book, but how the Buddha sometimes uh, presented the dependent origination. You know, you've got to start from ignorance, ending up, this, you know, desire and 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 attachment and becoming and um, self and suffering, but then instead of staying stuck in the suffering with with no perspective out, to then taking that as an inspiration to take faith that there's a possibility um, that we can practice with that to perhaps uh, sometimes realize um, the possibility of an experience which goes beyond suffering. And so that was what this book was uh, presenting for me. And then there were two phrases in this book which stayed with me. And this, the first one was, if you are looking for happiness, uh, stop running after it. Because everything that you need is present in this very moment. That was the first 
phrase. And that, at that time, as they say, hit me like a brick. I almost kind of physically felt this stopping. Because it was, it was stopping in me, it was putting its finger right on, you know, where, if you like, my wound was separating at the time. I just that was exactly what I was doing. I was in pursuit of happiness, as far as I knew, and I had been running after some even very ill-defined phantom you know, of happiness, some idea that must be somewhere, and I've been searching, running after this self-imagined carrot. And so here, this, this person, who also was a professor of university, so something I could you know, invest some respect in, somebody who must be somebody who knew what they were talking about, respectable person, said, no, uh, stop running after it because it's here, it's now. Well, in order to look for that, now you have to stop, isn't it? Stop that, that, that running mind that's always running towards some imagined future. It's now, it's this, here, it's all here. And then the second phrase was a meditation instruction, true to then. It said, to meditate, sit down, and die now. <laughs> Sounds pretty uh, bleak, but again, it's, it just made just very immediate and brutal, if you like, sense to me. It just somehow just, just hit the, the spot, as it were. At least what I believed, as something was triggered in me, quickened, huh? as, as sometimes say. So I tried it out. I sat down. And obviously, I knew it didn't mean die physically. <laughs> I wasn't into, wouldn't have been interested in that kind of interpretation. So I just just sat down and just tried to be not running after anything, but being present. Just realizing, this is it. It's it's not about having some experience, you know, that could be in some other place or in some future. But it seemed clear to me that this is about being now and about examining or seeing that my relationship to whatever experience is present now. This is it. This is home. And I managed to sit for five minutes with excruciating pain in my knees. But I still remember now, it's very vivid, it's very strongly engraved as in, my, in, the, in the memory departments of my mind. This five minutes, this, first, this, this experience, which was very powerful. It, even though it was just this five minutes, it was a very, very strong recognition that this is it, this is home. And it was more than just an intellectual recognition because something did shift, it liberated a lot of energy in myself. Well, I just, just realized afterwards I suddenly had a really kind of a lot of energy. <laughs> and I went out of from that meditation and into life with, with a really strongly increased vigor and enthusiasm. And I must have, something must have happened, I must have radiated some confidence, confidence and, and happiness because I suddenly attracted all kinds of people who somehow approached me and wanted something from me and then some kind of relationship. And uh, it, that was an interesting aspect as well. So there was all this energy liberated. But I also just realized I, I couldn't necessarily trust this energy. This energy would also, at least, again, as it, as it seemed to me pretty soon then and still now with hindsight, I, I, I immediately or quickly got myself into you know, areas which could have meant trouble. It's fairly easy to get into trouble in Rio de Janeiro if you are unafraid and have a lot of energy and, and, and you know, radiate kind of uh, some, the kind of happiness and confidence that tells, tells everybody, broadcasts, you know, here's where the music is playing. All kinds of people suddenly actually <laughs> come and want to play with you and then you say, oh, do I really want to play these, these games? No? So, 
luckily, I guess also very quickly, made it clear to me that, well, this is, this is one part of this immediacy of the practice. It's all here now. But then there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And that seems to be a paradox you know, first. So, of course, it also meant this, this, this bliss and this feeling of this liberation. It didn't last very long. Uh, the, the, the suffering exerted itself rightfully, I think, as well. And also rightfully, I say, because it, it's, you know, according to the Buddha, then also an indication that we see, oh, here there's a suffering. So there's something that needs to be investigated. Huh? Why, why is it? What is it? What am I doing huh? that, that causes this, this suffering? Because that experience of just uh, being present, feeling more present, however strong we might experience that and however long it might last, uh, to me, what happens, it, it reveals itself there then as, as being still incomplete or, if you like, contaminated with what we might call our latent tendencies, which, which, which are going to hijack those energies. For example, I just remember now, if, and if, if I remember back those, that, that the time, those experiences, and the, the excitement coming from the meditation, there I was feeling I was uh, applying the sense of just being home, just being now, being here. This is, this is it. And, but inside that, not, not, yet, not, uh, not yet being examined, where all the kind of attitudes and ideas, longings, motivations, desires that I had accumulated as a personality. No, that, so that's again, this is, all this is still largely still not even known, not uncovered, unacknowledged motivations um, of the ego, ego-based motivations. Now, and those are the things that gradually are going to have to come into focus, have to be seen and have to be purified. That's why this is a path of purification. For example, the thing that, that I, I remember now very well is at the time, being uh, painfully aware that, that we are living in a time that is, that is, that is strongly um, bent or dominated by a worldview which I guess we usually call scientific materialism, and I was also brought up in an atheist household, uh, but having a, a spiritual bend and inclin inclination and, and uh, longing I was looking and very interested in spirituality for kind of signs that would disprove um, scientific materialism, that would, that would confirm to me that this is not the, that's not the whole story, there's more to this. That's not really the, the, the deepest, most accurate way of appreciating what reality actually is. And what is more, um, how do you say, what, what comes more closely to mind, or what than uh, paranormal phenomena or psychic powers? So that's, I was very interested in paranormal phenomena and psychic powers. So while I was, when I was sitting down and saying, well, I'm just going to be here, and this is where the music is playing, this is, this is what it is about, the, the, the subtext to that was, of course, and if I just sit here long enough, if I'm just, just being here long enough, then also all kinds of other uh, interesting, exciting aspects of reality are going to manifest themselves. Like weird things are going to start to happen. I'm going to have paranormal experiences and might even develop psychic powers. <laughs> you know, that is, of course, very, very, very obviously linked to, to a, a bent or bias which is, which is self-motivated, you know, which, which came from my, um, from my personal kind of uh, conditioning. 
And that is something with, 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 with practice. After a while, it's an example of those things that we just then first maybe become aware of, and we can then start to examine and see how those things uh, might contribute to our suffering. You know, if I really believe in that, for example, that like if you know, if after five years of being here now, still I haven't developed any psychic powers, then I might think, well, I'm not making any progress, and I get disappointed. Well, if I'm smart enough, then I see very clear the. The connection, isn't it? This is very simple. Isn't it? It's like two and two is four, isn't it? So there's expectation. So I think there's disappointment. And then I can say, well, is this expectation even, even useful? Or was, how, does, how does that bear uh, towards the quest for an end of suffering? No, it just creates more suffering. And very best, even if those things manifest, are gonna, probably going to be distractions, not going to be serious distractions. And this is just a very coarse example for a, for a principle that... that generally holds some practice. Now, there is more as we invest. There's only these two things that we basically we need. As, well, maybe we need more, but <laughs> for uh, two things that come to mind, which are, which are basic as, as the tools that we need, is this uh, is the intention towards establishing presence, awareness, to become aware and more completely and skillfully aware of what, what is our presence actually of experience and what is the part in that which is the suffering and what is our part in this creation, uh, uh, creating of sufferings. And, and this, this second bit of suffering and the, the cause of suffering is already the second bit, which is the investigative mind, you know, to being present, and then use uh, our um, capacity for presence to then investigate the content of our experience and the structure of our experience and what is relevant in that um, for the fact that this experience is... Uh, we experience it ultimately as unsatisfactory, you know, as stressful. And at any time, we might not be aware and able to, to, to dismantle the whole story, but if you keep investing in those two things and using all the, all the skillful tools that the Buddha offered you know, that, that fit within the Eightfold Path to support you know, that um, inclination towards presence and towards investigation, you know, then little by little we might start to get become aware of more and more aspects of those and also more and more subtle aspects of those. And then become more and more aware, if you become aware of how we are doing those things, then we also might find ways of disentangling some of those patterns, some of those habits. And um, be inventive, be creative. We're starting to learn and train ourselves to respond in different ways. To, uh, to, to the same situations in ways that might be more constructive, might be more wholesome, might be more helpful. Mm. And an image that, that came to mind for me is that it's, it's, it's this image of a train. Mm. As usually, as we can only borrow those images from other people who have already come up with them before, mostly. It's not an original image, but um, it's a bit like the, this, this seeing myself as a train, as a train, this whole Consciousness, which, like the Buddha says, is propelled by, by these various forms of tanha, of, of desire, of craving for existence, for experiences, or for getting rid of aspects of, of existence or myself, uh, which is like this, this fuel that propels this consciousness through time, creating uh, the idea of psychological time, of, of the future, of my future. And they're moving towards it. It's like the train going down a track. Not only that the track is kind of laid down, 
you know, it's not already there. So it's like down as, as the train goes forward. And it's like attention or, or, or consciousness, awareness is just in the, how do you call it, the cockpit of the train, just at the, the, the very front. And you're looking around and seeing how this, this landscape keeps appearing to you. And you think, well, this is kind of be nice to just get out here. But we, we tend to be not aware, or not fully aware, certainly, of all those wagons that are behind the train, which are loaded up to the brim with, you know, a kamma, you might say, um, like, like, say, 50 wagon loads full of coal, which have a certain weight, they have mass, and that mass creates momentum, which means you cannot just stop the train you know, forcefully without creating a mess. If you try it, then those, you know, all this mass is kind of pushing, and either it's just, it just keeps pushing you down a certain direction. You know, or if you really insist and try too hard, you know, a lot of that, the load that is behind you actually might come flying through into your cockpit and create a real mess. You know, those kind of things happen occasionally. And that is like the, the underlying drives of things that, be, that, 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 are still, that are still there. They are pushing us towards, certain, towards the repetitions of, of the ways in, we, in which we, we long for experience, in which we distort experience, in which we keep reacting, and which is what keeps pushing us out of just being simply... Um, present in a more complete way with our experiences right with our experience right now, so that is what manifests to ourselves in the various forms of dukkha, of unsatisfactoriness of stress. So then we, we can take that as an invitation to start to look there, be present for that, be present for that suffering, and then to investigate that as long as we we, we invest in that it 's like we, we are slowly, slowly finding out what's actually there behind pushing us. And it's, it seems to be, it seems to me that that's our face, and it's, often it's not much more than that. It's just this, this is the very act of being willing to open up to that, to actually acknowledge that, not to try to get away from it, not to deny it, not to fight it, not to react to it, but to be right in the middle of that and receiving it, acknowledging it, and then examining it, um, that is actually going to lighten the load. It's what purifies um, the awareness, which is what allows us to, to be just present. It's that content that we become aware of in terms of our psychological conditioning of the karma, which is, keeps pushing us out of that experience of just being simple present. As long as we don't have, the, you have yet developed the skill, uh, when, when that get, gets a bit more powerful, it's what, where our uh, capacity for awareness tends to collapse and then we become, in that sense, uh, the, the content of our experience, the emotional reactions, and the fears, the anger, the jealousy, or whatever it is. But, but notice that to the extent that we can refer that experience to the awareness, then we don't have to believe the content we don't have to um, we don't have to act it out we don't have to follow its messages we don't have to believe what the desire tells us what the, what the craving tells us that we need this experience or that thing or that relationship or need to say this or that at the moment so that we can feel uh, good again or, or more complete but we can just be more fully with that, with that experience itself you know, that desire, that longing and examine that desire and that longing and to, to see more fully what it does uh, to our experience, to the actuality of our experience right now. Mm-hmm. And it's in that possibility itself, that's a freedom 
know, from that, from from the, from being haunted by the, by those uh, more difficult contents of experience lies. Mm. So, uh, for me, certainly, it's a, it's a it's a very frequent trap in practice that when I am experiencing some difficulty, which I qualify as say suffering, uh, say I'm caught in doubt or it's anger coming up, confusion, something that I find difficult to bear, which is one of the um, uh, literal translations of, of suffering. Uh, the immediate feeling, well, it, this means I'm, I'm doing, must be doing something wrong. If I'd be practicing right, then I wouldn't be experiencing this, right? If I'd be practicing correctly, then I'd be just uh, peacefully, equanimously present here and now, and I wouldn't be confused or doubting, about not knowing what to do. But the interesting thing is that I think it, it seems to me that the, that the most authentic or genuine place into, into practice, if you want to transform those experiences, you have to actually start by more fully experiencing them, you know, like more fully embracing them, and so looking at them, listening at them. You know. Because otherwise we just keep reacting to them. If, if we want to transform them, transform them, then we have to get into touch with that very energy of those, of those emotions, of those experiences, get right in there and examining them. We, we, we can't do that by reacting to it or by denying them or trying to be somewhere else. If, if you want to transform those, then we really have to invest um, faith, trust in the value and the possibility of just being aware of how it is now. And that is always obviously very immediate because it really means now. It doesn't mean now, tomorrow, or when I'm ready for it. It means now. This whatever the experience that we're experiencing is right now. Not once I've got the experience, what, what I'm experiencing, manipulated enough so that I'm, I'm ready to, to actually digest it and to, to, be, to embrace it. You know, first I'm going to work on it and have my way to do whatever I need to manipulate it so that I then finally feel, yeah, that is, that is palatable enough so that I can embrace it. But it means whatever it is that is, that it, that is right now. And it doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. It's actually often much more difficult, really, with pleasant experiences when we, when we, are, con when we are content with it. Because then we feel, well, there's nothing wrong. We, we very happily identify with it, cruising along, and don't realize we, we, we are holding on to the tail of the tiger, isn't it? And then when it turns around, well, there we are. It's just ready to be the meal for the tiger because we've been holding on to its beautiful tail. Don't know. Is the tiger's tail beautiful? <laughs> but but the you know the, the implication is clear, isn't it? That when the suffering is there, actually, in a way, it's easier in some way, isn't it? It's more poignant. You see, the, ah, well, the first reaction is there is obviously something wrong. So then uh, we have to come to the to the recognition. This something going wrong. Sure, it means that something could be improved here, and ultimately could be different. But it doesn't mean that now we have to start by trying making it different or something, but we, we have to actually, in order to go there, we have to actually more fully understand how it is now. So what, what is it now that blocks us uh, 
from being more clear and equanimous with our experience. And that is, of course, that's, that's a very difficult path. So if you don't get this, this, this shift to this immediacy of the possibility of just being present, finding freedom and peace in that, then that, that's very difficult to get if you keep believing the images um, that our self-view comes up with or the, the way we, that we like to think about ourselves then we're going to keep going to miss it because that suffering to the self, to, to my view of self, always, if your mind is like mine, it always subtly or sometimes very strongly is correlated to the sense of failure. You know, suffering to the, to, the, to the self, to the sense of self, always means failure, something I'm doing wrong, I'm failing at this. It even gets, I think, culturally very much, uh, how do you say, um, strengthened, isn't it? You're supposed to look at at the television, and you, you, so you see all this kind of bright and happy people. That's how you're supposed to be. You know? and if, if you're not, if you're miserable, it means you're failing. It's a personal failure, which for the, for the self is some humiliating. You know? But if you can just take it as an invitation to practice and to have faith and take refuge in, in that which we can access, which is actually beyond, which is bigger than the self, which can actually see my self-image, my sense of self right now, and the sense of failure, you know, it's a very immediate invitation. Then this humiliation can actually be transformed in humility. You know, it's when, when, we, when we learn to lower the flag of the, of the self. You know. It feels to me certainly one of the most defining moments of my, my practice as a monk, as a junior monk. It seems to me it wasn't a kind of breakthrough experience with all the bells ringing and the likes going on and, and, and being blissed out for a couple of weeks or, or for however long by sensing uh, the unity with all existence or something like that. But it was a time when I really, perhaps the first time when I really felt I had totally messed up and it was a complete failure. And I wouldn't even repeat in public the, the kind of language, the words in which I was in my mind referring to myself and thinking of myself. I certainly thought I'd, I deserved to be ejected from the universe and of course, it only really works if this is not a, it's not not just an abstract thought. But I really felt I really believed that. You know, I mean, now I, it doesn't quite make sense to me. I really believed that. So I was really I was really hitting rock bottom. That's how it felt to me. I really felt bad. I felt bad about myself. And then suddenly there was this apparently very subtle kind of shift. You might say like awareness asserted itself in a very gentle way by suddenly noticing. I'm just noticing, this is just another feeling. And again, it doesn't work, of course, just as a thought. You know, you can just, it doesn't work if we can just pretend or be philosophical about it. But we sometimes maybe uh, we have this kind of sh shift suddenly right in the middle of that and being really identified with that. And say, oh, this is just another feeling. This is just another self-image. And it's not more or less valid or than, than any other feeling uh, and self-image that I had before, the inflated ones, um, or when I felt really good about myself. And there was suddenly this, this great relief. And it didn't mean that then suddenly my whole experience, the content of my experience was trans transformed forever, or that I never felt miserable about uh, myself anymore, or that even the, the, the feeling of perhaps guilt or something just disappeared. But it was suddenly put in, in, in a quite, in some kind of perspective, which was very compassionate. It was very soothing. It was naturally equanimous calm and just think, well, this is just another feeling. And with that goes on, this is just, you know, after all, I'm just another human being. 
And why should I be always feeling like a success? Why should I always feel comfortable? I'm pretty sure it hasn't, it hasn't actually suddenly converted me into a, a, a truly humble person. That would be another self-image, isn't it, that we can set up and then we can be disappointed about it. But whatever it was, at that, at that moment, it was a very valid experience of a, of a, of a cessation of, of a very acute suffering at that, at that moment. You know, like, like the most only graphic and physical image that I can come up with is like, like after a long walk, you know, walking 50, 50 miles in your, in your new boots, or 50 miles is maybe a bit exaggerating, isn't it? let it be 20 miles in your boots and you come home and you finally you can take those boots off, you know, that kind of relief. Ah. Oh breathing deeply, then you kind of wriggle your toes and hold them up in the cool, refreshing air. You still feel the burning, but it's kind of slowly ceasing, there's some space around it, some, some soothing kind of space. And that is something that if you ever have this kind of experience, it just becomes another memory, but uh, I, that's something I have, I have trust in. I feel this is something that, well, I don't, I don't know, but it seems to be, certainly from then to now, the mind doesn't forget, it becomes a reference point and it becomes a, a motivation mm, as a possibility um, to incline towards, and which, is, which always reminds me of the immediacy uh, of, of, that, of that practice, of that possibility, and you know, that we have to hold those two things together at, at the same time. So I know that to really come to the place of where, where maybe all those wagon loads that, that are kind of behind my... A locomotive and are still pushing you know, as the train is going down um, the hill of time um, into old age, maybe towards a, a, a new rebirth, who knows. Uh, it might be a long time, we cannot know. It seems to be as, as we keep investigating, keep offering presence, looking into it, we, we always keep discovering more stuff in there, or more wagons, oh God, there's another one. You know? But I mean, if you know well, what's, what's, it, what's, it, what's the task of the practice, we just keep practicing it. But at the same time, there's always a possibility and always invitation. Uh, so I like to remember to just look up and see, well, how, how is it right now? Is it possible to just, for this to just be all right as it is right now? No. Do I have to become something different, some upgraded version of myself in order to come to the end of suffering? Or is it possible to end it right now? Without worrying about tomorrow or how long it's going to last, but right now. Is it necessary to suffer right now? Can we take care of what is happening in this very moment? So I'd like to just offer that.